We remain on our year-long journey of living the liturgical year with the liturgical calendar shaping our formation as a congregation. Today is also the final Sunday of Thomas and Beth Daniels' sabbatical leave. At the end of April, yes, we sent them on their sabbatical journey with our blessing, confident that the Lord will bless their time, refresh their spirits, renew their minds, and return them back to us for the continual work of ministry. Friends, let's continue to keep them in our prayers as they make their way back to us next week. What a gift it is to be a part of a congregation that so generously cares for her pastors. Our scripture this morning is a portion of Psalm 107, a psalm of thanksgiving, one that holds personal significance for me. More about that later. This historical context or the historical context of this psalm is assumed to be the nation of Israel returned from exile. They have much to be grateful for as they gather to recount their history and to recall the generous love of the Lord. This psalm in its body, there is four sections, each describing a situation of distress where people found themselves in trouble. They cry out to the Lord for help and God provides deliverance and rescue. The four situations we find in the body of the psalm are wandering in the desert, imprisonment, sickness, and peril at sea. This morning's text focuses on that first situation, wandering in the wilderness. Wandering and lost, they ultimately found their way back to the city. The psalm also recalls the exodus from Egypt, when the Lord fed his people, delivered them, healed them, and brought them through the sea. As we now gather in from many places and many situations to praise and thank the Lord, let us now turn our attention to God's word for us. A portion of Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, those he redeemed from trouble, and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, and from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert waste finding no way to an inhabited town. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached an inhabited town. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and the hungry he fills with good things. Let those who are wise give heed to these things and consider the steadfast love of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Oh, gracious spirit, dwell with us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may it all be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. 
begins Psalm 107. To speak of God is as good is to affirm that the Lord is the source of all that makes life possible and worthwhile. God is good because he does good things, acts and gives life, delivers from evil, blesses and empowers others. The word good recalls the evaluation of God's creative activity in Genesis 1. When the Lord looks out upon all that he has created and calls it good or very good in the case of humans, as he looks at creation as he intends it. The goodness of God is the foundation on which all faith and hope rest. We throw the word good around pretty easily, barely grasping its full meaning. Think about some of the ways that we use it. Santa will ask little ones when they wait in line to interact with him in December, were you good this year? Steph Curry has a good night when he scores at least 30 points. Your sister is good when she does not raid your closet and wear your favorite shirt without asking. My neighbor's schnauzer barks all the time. Walter is good when he takes a break even for a moment. My neighbors are good when they bring Walter back inside their house. <laughs> the concept of good for us, it is a squishy thing. I am good because I could have been worse. I am good because some people are worse. I'm good because I can get other people feeling good about me or thinking I'm good. But that's a whole different thing than being good, isn't it? Some of our use of good, so much of it, is tied to performance and behavior. What do we do then when God doesn't act or behave in a way that seems to us to be good? Do we even believe that God is good? This psalm's nature is to teach, witnessing to what God has done to draw people into deeper trust and commitment. God's people are to recount their history and recall the generous works and deeds of the Lord for wise folks remember. The psalmist invites us specifically to remember the most challenging times of our lives which is exactly the opposite of what most of us are inclined to do, especially those who live with positivity or who are glass half full kind of people. For all of us, it is work to remember our times of trouble. We would rather move from one celebration to the next, aspiring to journey from strength to strength, and to ignore or downplay the suffering in between, we are prone to push sadness away. Friends, can you recognize the work of God in your wilderness wanderings? In the most difficult and disorienting times of your life. Wilderness is the difficult place of darkness and pain, as well as the place where new life can emerge Think about the major markers of your life with an awareness that suffering is a part of all of our stories. Pay attention, 
especially to those times when you have walked the well-worn path of pain. For some of our greatest values and convictions come out of times of pain. Sometimes being told to focus on the bright side just doesn't cut it. Platitudes like look for the silver lining fall short because sometimes life is hard, disappointing, sad, heartbreaking even. Perhaps you are in the midst of a trying time right now. Toxic positivity denies the full experience of being human. Instead, can we be the kind of authentic community that makes space for both the wonderful and the terrible? To move God's people to thanksgiving, the psalmist tells stories. Stories of Israel's experience of a love that will not let us go. Consider with me the whole notion of gratitude, if you will. It's great for us to do so when it's not the month of November. As psychologists continue to study the complexity of human emotions, one emotion receiving new attention is the psychology of gratitude an emotion that has been historically neglected by psychologists. In the books, The Psychology of Gratitude, Robert Emmons and Michael McCullough note that gratitude is one of the most neglected emotions and one of the most undervalued virtues. The authors go on to say that the neglect of gratitude is interesting, explaining that we, especially in this society, do not like to think of ourselves as indebted. We would rather see our own fortunes, our good fortunes, as our own doing, explaining the neglect of gratitude. Because expressing gratitude involves our admission of our vulnerability and our dependence on someone other than ourselves. Grateful people are happier, less depressed, less stressed, and more satisfied with their lives and social relationships. Grateful people have more positive ways of coping with the difficulties they experience in life and are more likely to seek support from other people and are more likely to grow from difficult experiences and less likely to den deny or avoid problems. Children who practice grateful thinking have a more positive attitude towards school and their families. Grateful people tend to be more generous with their money. The link between spirituality and gratitude has recently become a popular topic of study. Studies have found that faith can enhance a person's ability to be grateful. Therefore, those who regularly attend worship services and engage in religious activities are more likely to have a sense of gratitude in all other areas of life. We are learning from gratitude researchers what some of us already knew to be true, that thankfulness is good for our well-being and for our relationships. I wonder, is gratitude what 
people habitually notice in us? Or are they more prone to see in us a pattern of ingratitude? Gratitude is ultimately a way of seeing, a way of seeing what is around you a particular way, in a way of saying thank you for a greater variety of things more often. Are we able to see and appreciate what we have or are we more prone and fixated on what is not? Mystic monk and activist Thomas Merton has this to say about gratitude. It's a, it's a wonderful comment about gratitude. To be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything he has given us, and he has given us everything. Every breath we draw is a gift of his love. Every moment of existence is grace, for it brings with us immense graces from him. Gratitude, therefore, takes nothing for granted, is never unresponsive, is constantly awakening to new wonder and to praise of the goodness of God. For the grateful person knows that God is good, not by hearsay, but by experience. And that is what makes all the difference. Now, one challenging question comes to mind because life doesn't always prompt easy gratitude. For those who are suffering and in pain, how can that person be expected to give thanks? Our friend Mark Roberts calls this gutsy gratitude, and Lamott refers to it as radical gratitude that is radical in the face of whatever life throws at you. Radical or gutsy gratitude does not deny pain, but it is the experience of someone who is still able to give thanks for God's mercy and grace in the midst of suffering and loss. I had a courtside seat to gutsy gratitude recently as I sat beside a friend who only had a few weeks left to live, yet while watching her repeatedly reposition herself on the couch in order to find a comfortable way to sit because of terrible pain. I listened as she talked about how she had so very much to be grateful for and how God has been so very good to her. It is a faith builder to watch gutsy gratitude lived out. Here are three important things about gratitude we learn from scripture. First, gratitude is an attitude. It is an attitude we choose to have. First Thessalonians urges us to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Note that this does not say to give thanks for all circumstances, but rather to give thanks in all circumstances. I will never be grateful for my mom's cancer, but I am able to find places of gratitude and grace when in our family's journey with my mom's cancer. We are faced with choices all the time. Life is full of choices. Making the continual choice to be thankful will transform us into thankful people. Secondly, thankfulness is a response. Thankfulness is born out of gratitude for what God has done for us. 
Because of Jesus, we have been rescued, redeemed, and given life. We are given purpose and mission and companions for the journey. Because of Jesus, death no longer needs to be feared. We have so very much to be thankful for. And thirdly, thankfulness is an action. It is critically important not only to feel grateful, but also to express it. Just like the grateful leper in Luke 17, who, once noticing that he has been cleansed and healed from leprosy, stops, turns back, praises God, and thanks Jesus. Our thankfulness should drive us to action. Friends, when God reaches out to us, cares for us, interacts with us, surprises us, we are to be like the one leper who stops before moving on to anything else and to say, thank you, God. I encourage you to engage in the work of remembering this week. Maybe do some journaling about a time that God provided rescue in your time of trouble. Something that you can turn back to later and reread to help you to remember God's work in your life. Or perhaps share with a friend or a family member or your small group how you experienced deliverance during a difficult time. A time when you cried out for help and God saved you in God's time and in God's way. Our staff this past week engaged in a say-so moment and had a powerful time of sharing. As people vulnerably shared with one or two others about a time when God provided deliverance and rescue in a time of trouble. For memory kindles hope. Scripture tells us that we tend to be a forgetful people and encourages us to have a really good memory. For part of understanding the journey that we are on is to be able to retrace our steps. And memory is the soil in which gratitude grows. As we look back on God's faithfulness in the past, it enables us to trust that God is with us in the present and in our tomorrows, not only for us, but for those we love. I mentioned that the psalm has personal significance for me. Psalm 107 is precious to me, reaching back to the earliest days of the pandemic. While the COVID story continues and is still being written, we have come through something together a time of trouble, a time of distress. I'm grateful I journaled on two occasions during during the earliest weeks and months as the initial pain and disorientation of a world turned upside down is now less acute. Such an unfathomable time of face mask, social distancing of at least six feet and quarantining. So much death and devastation around the world. Economic disaster for businesses, families and schools and healthcare systems in stress. So much that was lost, including graduations and planned vacations. The inability to gather when someone died and to hold a memorial service. 
the inability to reach out and to shake someone's hand in order to greet them or to thank them, postponed weddings, the inability to gather in person for worship. I noted in one journal entry that no one besides me had been in my home for seven weeks. With the realization that my mental health was deteriorating, my colleagues blessed my need and my desire to take a week off to be with others after the first three months of the pandemic. Psalm 107 is a text that I stumbled upon the first morning as I sat in my friend's backyard. Wandering in desert wastes, finding no way to an inhabited town, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. This was powerful to read in a time of isolation, reminding me yet again that God's word is always a living word. It still always continues to speak. For a week, I was delivered and rescued from the desert waste, having reached an inhabited town, which strengthened me for the journey ahead. This picture from that life-giving time has been my phone's lock screen wallpaper this whole week, reminding me of how the Lord satisfies the thirsty and the hungry with good things. It's been really important for me to remember so. My days with friends were simple yet profound, sharing meals, giving and receiving hugs, conversations not mediated by my laptop or by a screen, noticing the gift of reaching out and holding hands when you gave thanks before a meal, the sharing of bread and cup, all of the simple and most beautiful things of life. Taking nothing for granted. We live in a broken world filled with violence and disease and injustice, where children lose their parents and the poor are exploited, where natural disasters like the recent flooding in Kentucky cause major lives of life and damage. And then there are those times that don't make the evening news, but our personal diaries, our journals, instead when our personal world falls apart and God does not show up and hold things together in the way that we so desperately long for. Friends, we do not deny or minimize the pain or the sorrow that we feel, but we do not suffer or wander in the wilderness without hope. We will travel from this place in the perpetual company of God who will order the chaos and who will make the crooked path straight because God will reach out to us. That is the kind of God that we have. Life is sometimes difficult. It's not a matter of if, but rather when. So the question becomes, when trouble comes, where will we find our security? God's goodness means God is committed and truthful and his commitment can be relied on. God is good and therefore can be trusted. I may need you to remind me of that one day. I will do the same for you. 
because we get to encourage one another and to learn from one another and to help one another to heal and to grow and to help one another to remember the steadfast love and faithfulness of the Lord. Not by hearsay, but by experience. And that is what makes all the difference. Let those who are wise give heed to these things and consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Hallelujah and amen. Would you pray with me? God, we are deeply grateful for your presence with us all throughout our lives. We are sorry for how prone we are to take all that you give us for granted. May our eyes be opened anew to the gifts that you give to us every day and give us the courage to share with others our most painful times of life as a way of bearing testimony to your presence with us. We bless you and thank you, healer, redeemer, and friend. Through Christ our Lord we pray, amen.